Welcome to the first episode of the East Coast Recovery Podcast with our Managing Director, Lester Morse. Good day. And myself, Matthew Martin. So, Lester, just so the audience know who you are, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and you know, about your experiences with addiction? Yeah, my name's uh, Lester Morse. I've been, I'm 56 now, I've been probably involved in recovery and addiction treatment for over 30 years started on the path myself about well when I was 25 ended up coming into recovery myself from alcoholism drug addiction and uh, part of the program that I entered was um, helping other people and uh, turns out I was quite good at that I was quite keen on the whole thing it was a Sort of going from complete desperation to finding a way out, which I've kind of got to a point at 25 where I was like, I felt like I was at the end of the road, like I didn't realise that there was a way out. Um, I'd never seen anybody get a way out, and uh, coming into a, like I say, recovery program, finding that there was a whole fellowship globally and there was a solution to my problem, I kind of grabbed it with both hands and become quite. Mm taken to it really so I started learning a lot and getting involved in it and started to show and help other people how to do the program and uh, just become more and more sort of successful in doing that over the years so you know I wanted addiction to sort of get out of my life but it's kind of become my life really um, pretty much my whole life has been either in addiction or working in recovery from addiction for myself and other people so over the years, I sort of worked my way up from working in night shelters, day centres, wet houses, dry houses, sober living houses. I started some sober living houses a few years ago. I've worked in the prison system, um, bringing in um, programmes to people in prison uh, a couple of times a week for about 10 years. And uh, in my own personal life, so I've pretty much worked at every level, rich, poor, black, white, gay, straight, pretty much every combination of person I've worked with. And uh, I think when you live in a mass experience um, that not everybody gets to um, to do, you do start noticing a lot of similarities and, and what kind of works. And, you know, for me, um, it's always been about really trying to find out what the problem is with people so we can solve the problem. That's kind of like the goal of of everything we've sort of done in the last um, 30 years is to try and, you know, it's a great relief for me to w- walk in that room at 25 with a life-threatening terminal illness, really. I mean, I wasn't going to get a lot older than 25. I was starting to get very suicidal because I was so desperate of the state that I kept getting in. And I just couldn't live in that state anymore. And... Um, So having probably the biggest problem that I could possibly have had and the most complex and difficult to solve to to becoming liberated and given a solution, um, you know, sometimes very controversial solutions and very extreme, but but, um, to see it working in my life and other people's lives. It's been one of the most important, like I say, aspects of my life because I see how important it is. Uh, the information that we carry is sort of life-changing. You know, it's, we say to people when they come to us for help, is like, look, you need a, 
life. Our job is to give you a life-changing experience. Mm. And if you want to change your life, you've got to change your mind. I've heard you say before, it's a, you need an extreme intervention to, to change it because it's an extreme problem. It's, it's an extreme problem. And it looks like you're doing it to yourself. And in a sense, you are. But there is a serious mental condition I mean, I believe it goes deeper than that into the sort of soul and spirit of a person. I think it's a is a core issue. So you know, it's a very deep problem, and the solution has to be just as deep to be able to show people what's happening in the centre of their mind. Often, society tries to fix the symptoms of the problem, but really, the problem centres in the mind. And so, it's it's how do you get to that centre? So it's. You know, over the years, it's just like I say, I think to empower people, you really want to try and show them what their problem is, which they identify to. Once they can identify with a the problem, then helping them start applying the, the radical, sometimes very difficult solution is a, is a lot of easier process. I think anyone knows it. If you've been in recovery for a long time and you work with a lot of other people, trying to actually get them to do the programs and disciplined in the things that's going to be healthy for them is 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 a is a massive task yeah yeah asking a lot when somebody's been able to just kind of live whatever life they want and do whatever they want on their own but it's very undisciplined and very egotistical and i don't think you get any argument that uh, from anyone that knows anything about addiction or lives with somebody this addiction that it's a very selfish disease mm. doesn't really care about anyone around them so does everyone have to go to a residential rehab? Like what's the benefits of residential rehab in particular? Yeah, well, I think that's a question you sort of get asked a lot. And, you know, I think without qualifying the fact that I believe addiction is the same for everybody. I don't think everybody's got a different kind of addiction. I think, again, the symptoms may be different. The things that they do to try and relieve themselves of addiction may be different, but... The core of it, I think, is the same mental problem that I talked about, the centres in the mind. Mm. Um, when it comes, does everybody need, you know, the intense um, treatment that you'd get in a residential rehab? I mean, the answer to that is depends on your circumstances. It is an individual thing mm. that really, you know, we've developed over the years an assessment tool that we take each individual person and then we do a thorough assessment with them. And that assessment does identify their needs. Now, you know, I've always been a great believer in past um, videos that we've done that, you know, that some people need a lot of treatment for a short period of time and some people need a lot of treatment for a long period of time, but everybody's going to need a lot of treatment. Yeah. And so, you know, there is a physic, very much a physical element to this that, you know, and, and it's mostly with alcohol, believe it or not, that, you know, the most dangerous withdrawals tend to come from the, most of the legal drugs, but we'll talk about alcohol, that, you know, so if you're drinking over 70 CL, which is about a bottle of vodka or three bottles of wine or 10 cans of lager, not all together, each individually one of them, if you're drinking less than that, then you could probably you probably be best to have a medical detox. Now again, that keeps you in the realms of again it would need an, a thorough assessment to see what sort of support you have, you know, what health conditions you're in, what mental conditions you're in. Mm. 
You know, so there's a lot of elements that you have to consider. But some people are on the lower end of the scale, you know, maybe a home detox uh, supervised by a, 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 a GP and other people that 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 could 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 be enough for for the physical side of the ailment. But anything over that, or, or that would qualify you to go into the to sort of the lower end cost rehabs. If you go over that, then you're going to be looking at needing a lot more medical support. And uh, so again, it's even finances is a big factor, obviously, for a lot of people. Is mm. you know that has to be taken into account that not everybody can afford to go into a rehab, even though they need that level of treatment. They'd have to go to their local authorities and try and work through whatever processes they have, and hopefully that they're given the medical assistance that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes if you if you go over that level of the nice guidelines that I was talking about, the higher your need for medical care, the greater the cost of the rehab. Mm-hmm. So most people that can go into your average rehab um you know they'd be drinking around that amount but anything above that you're going to be needing like the priories and places where they got nurses and doctors and in in attendance and they're going to be very high because from my understanding withdrawal symptoms from alcohol can be fatal well it can be and i think you know again that's a whole another podcast of a debate about you know because again it seems that the people that then the the lower income that haven't got the money that have because again it's like have you had a fit for example if you've had a fit then the nice guideline says you shouldn't really go in one of the lower um level kind of rehabs Mm. Uh, i think they kind of said now that if you've had a fit because you just stopped drinking, but if you tried to withdraw with medical aid and had a fit, then you'd have to go into a more expensive one, which mm. puts you then out of, um, you know, if you haven't got money, or you may have only had about like £10,000 or something like that, now you've had a fit, your need for care has gone up to maybe fifteen to 20000 Wow. So... So that person's had a fit, but now they can't get treatment. So I say that's kind of one of the frustrating things that probably needs another discussion at some mm-hmm. point about, you know, so so now you've just disqualified X amount of thousands of people from actually getting any treatment yeah. because there's a slight risk that the treatment may, but again, that's your health and safety kind of crazy culture that we we live in when you risk assess the whole thing i think you know it's always better to uh you know the, when people get to that point they usually need a lot of medical intervention and the medical intervention is not often there which again is why we got the we're on the ninth year of the highest death rates in our country wow so it's sort of like like when you start breaking that down it gets shocking but in a perfect world it would be great for everyone to go at least to have a detox because mm. I mean treatment sort of comes in two parts you kind of got the physical detox which is you're separating yourself from the from the the, the chemical but then you've got the um, the recovery development then there's the psychological um, part of it because in a way we could get everybody off drugs in the country in two weeks 
but you can't keep them off. There's something, just stop taking drugs is very rarely the solution. If you're an addict, there's usually an underlying, this mental health problem that centers in your mind. If, if that bit's not addressed and dealt with, then people generally relapse and go back on to, to drugs, which again is quite a p- common part for most people's journey anyway. There, mm. there, it's quite a complex problem that centers in the mind. I know there's a lot of talk of trauma at the minute and I kind of agree with that up to a point, but I don't think that it's just trauma because everybody sustains trauma in the world, but not everybody becomes maladjusted or, you know, when you get somebody that says, you know, some families, they're so dysfunctional and that's not a reason for addiction, that they're so dysfunctional, but they might have five children, but maybe only one or two of them have become an alcoholic and addict. The other three may kind of get on with a reasonable life. So Mm -hmm. again, to say trauma is the problem, which seems to be being pushed at the minute, I don't agree with, because it's obviously your response to the trauma is the problem, which shows there's a bit of a deeper problem, which I'm talking about, is this, this bit in your mind when you've been around people in addiction for 30 years you can see they've all got this common problem in the Mm. center of their mind and you know the more you're around it the easier it becomes to identify not everybody has it not everyone that takes loads of drugs have it not everyone that drinks too much has it Mm. it's just in certain people's minds and they're the ones that usually don't get the help they need because you know there's a distinction between a heavy drinker and a heavy drug user and an alcoholic and addict, and they're two different problems. Mm. But our society seems to aim all its treatments at the heavy drinker and the heavy drug user. Now, the difference between the heavy drinker and the heavy drug user in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they refer to as the other people. Now, they're not the other people that don't drink. They're the other people that drink hell of a lot. Mm. But when they're given sufficient reason to stop or moderate like they're going to lose their job they're going to lose their children they're getting ill all the time you know they've got in trouble with the law and they come to the end of it they say to themselves i've had enough i don't want to do this anymore they either just stop or they moderate Mm -hmm. now them people were never alcoholic and never addict they're the heavy drinker and heavy drug user so most local authority services would actually work for them people because all they need probably is a little bit of support, a little bit of a physical detox. But as soon as they become separated from the drug or chemical, their brain are kicking and start responding like a, like a regular person. Because yeah. again, it's about the responses. But for the people that have a drug and alcohol problem, they won't be able to start responding. So then people don't have a choice, no matter how much um, pressure on their life to stop or moderate, then people actually can't, it's not in them. Mm. That's where good treatment comes in. It's good treatment's goal to help build that in them. For them people, it's like a manual. It has to be built in manually. It's not a natural, the natural part of their brain that helps them have good rational thinking it just doesn't work Mm -hmm. so they need it to be built in manually almost on a daily basis especially at the beginning and so when people just want to stop drinking and they're of that kind i'm like it's not going to work because you've not got the choice 
it needs to be manually built in and you're not going to be able to manually do it on your own you're going to need a program to help redevelop your neural pathways and you're going to need people around you to understand about recovery to support you for possibly up to four years or more sometimes on a daily basis that's why going to 12-step fellowships and other um, therapy groups and things like that helps to support you and rebuild that part of your brain manually in and i think that's the uh that's the important bit to understand that back to the question does everyone need residential rehab the answer is not really but it should be decided on an assessment a professional mm-hmm. assessment what are your needs and again i think you know in our company we always try and say look let's start with an assessment let's see who you are what's going on for you let's measure your level of care and support that you're going to need let's get you a good plan because again there's the there's the detox period and then there's the development period if Mm. you can be detox safely at home or if you can be detox safely in just a couple of weeks in a in an affordable residential rehab you know that's always a favorable um but the people need to stay in rehab for long periods of time again some do the rehab that i set up east coast recovery you know that was really designed for the the people that really had a lot of problems um that would need you know six to nine months beyond support Mm. and so we designed our rehab in order to offer that level of support for those that needed it because it's about giving people's brains a chance to recover you know it's it's kind of a strange thing that people are taking mind altering substances for years and years and then expect their brain just to work normally when they stop taking mind altering substances you know is uh there needs to be a period of like reversing the effect and some people have been brought up in very dysfunctional families that that really it's like more behavioural problems that you're dealing with mm. that they've not matured or developed. And again, it takes a bit of time with an adult to help them start changing their mind. And it's a, it's a complicated, difficult, but possible process. I'm glad to report that we've had fantastic results over the years because we understand the problem. And I think... I think society really doesn't understand the problem yet and I think even some treatment providers don't really understand the problem. They offer all these treatments that people expect but they're not very effective because they're, they're good treatments but for the wrong problem. Hmm. So of course it's important that people seek professional help, that they have an assessment and I know some of those options are residential um, and also one-to-one online therapy sessions as well. Yeah, that's something that we're developing since the COVID. I mean, the thing is, the assessments we offer are free of charge anyway. So, you know, you can't lose anything by having an assessment. At least it makes you better informed, you know, because somebody, they may have an assessment or they may not have any finances. So that limits you. You know, there's a lot of limits to treatment. Like I say, in an ideal world, there'd be unending pots of money that everyone could get a top treatment but we don't live in that world it's you know people have limited funds and 
um, it's too expensive for them and then the local authorities are you know they've sort of cut back on sending people into rehab over the last years you know which has been devastating to to uh, to treatment it's sort of changed the face of it that everybody now has to sort of go after money so mm. it's become more expensive I mean that's the crazy thing with the government they sort of drive up the costs and then all of a sudden proclaim they can't afford it and then again it just causes biggest death rates in nine years and I wouldn't mind betting we're going to see the 10th year at the end of next year but it's um but again, it's not at the end of itself. Again, I think it's there's, there is realities that if you are very chemically dependent, you just can't stop. It's not a choice. You know, it's dangerous um, to do that. Um, but so getting a good assessment with a company like ours will give you your options. That, you know, what's the level of care that you need and how much is that going to cost? Because again, it, it's kind of like works both ends of the spectrum. It's like some people, you know, they haven't got any money mm. or not a lot of money, so they can only go in a low end. And rehabs, you know, they vary from sort of 6000 a month upwards. Um, but then people with a lot of money, they're not going to go in a cheap rehab either. Mm. And there's a lot of rehabs. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to have somebody that can do an assessment and then help you explore what options are available to you geographically, financially, uh, medically, you know. So it all does start with that assessment of your needs. And, um, you know, so for example, if somebody's sort of got a bit of money but they've not got too much, um, you know, they, they may need to go into detox for a couple of weeks and so that can be arranged. And then there's the online treatments now. There's online one-to-one therapies online. Um, groups that you can be involved in and again you can do anything from 10 of them to 30 of them it's 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 all what you need then you can get the that there's a three of a free aspect you can go to 12-step meetings or smart meetings or you know there is there's plenty going on to keep you busy and keep you involved um and and it, and it works really well i think the online treatments work really well but at a certain <clears throat> excuse me at a certain stage it's 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 really the medical need at the initial bit what is your level of medical need mm-hmm. so even if people are doing a lot of cocaine but they're not really given much chemical support it can be very difficult to sort of all of a sudden stop taking drugs when you're you know trying to deal with a family deal with work you know you become a little bit of a raw nerve so sort of even though you don't really need any um, medication as such um, just the fact that you're going to be like a raw nerve so getting a 28 day head start in a rehab can can really be the difference between success and failing yeah because it's like again there's there's a recovery period that people need the time to recover and he's trying to get the correct support for that. But I think, you know, with the uh, online um, treatments and support and with the groups, the 12-step groups, with the multiple different kinds of rehabs of all different costs and kinds, I think addiction has become very flexible in the last uh, few years. It's not so rigid. So 
I think the good news of that is you can just pick out the bits that you feel that the person needs and, and can afford. Um, or if, if not, there's again, there's a lot of free services that they can get involved in. And, and again, I think with most things, it's like it's success usually comes down to is the person willing or not to uh, to do it. I think that's the great key. Are you willing or not? And then if you are willing and given good information and good direction, you've got a much better chance to succeed. Okay, so just taking a little break and we've spoken about residential rehab and about online courses and the importance of having a professional assessment. Now we've just, we're starting a introductory to online recovery course that's going to be available soon. So could you tell us a little bit about, you know, why have we created this course? Why does it need to exist? Um, Well, I think because again, since COVID, when COVID was on, we did some, um, we we had to close our facility down for uh, four months and we did groups with clients that were, like aftercare groups and you know we realized that you know it was a big support to a lot of people the feedback we was getting was really was really good and it sort of opened your mind to thinking you know when I started out I used to do um like once a week a couple hours get a bunch of guys anywhere up to sort of 40 people and take them for a program um giving them you know goals and getting knitted into fellowships and stuff like that and maybe just holding them account but they turned out to be 12 week courses that were very successful it's kind of what the rehab come out of mm. and uh so you know we started to think that there's a lot of therapists all around the country that are addiction trained so we wanted to work with them in the area that we're in in the east coast it's very limited therapists are very limited and especially addiction trained ones you know, we've we've trained a few up over the time, but it takes a bit of time to. Uh, I mean, I know they all say that they're trained in addiction, but again, I'm I've employed therapists over the years, and I don't think that's quite true. I think they're trained to work with the people that are the heavy drinkers or heavy drug users, mm. and that may work for them. But I think with the real addicts and the real alcoholics, I don't think they're going to have much success with them. And I think if you've got a untrained therapist, they probably agree with what I'm telling you if they're a trained addiction therapist then I think there's it's just different goalposts in addiction treatment there's different boundaries that therapists have and you know because we've watched them over the years have to remove their boundaries to work effectively with people with addiction so I think being online it kind of like takes the geographical problem that we have away Mm-hmm. Um, it also massively reduces the cost because we're not having to have buildings and staff and doctors and nurses and breakfasts and lunches and dinners and plates and tables and all the health and safety sort of stuff. It it sort of just boils it down to the point, which is the addiction treatment, which always frustrated me having a residential rehab, that everything was important except the treatment. Mm according to society and then the, the constant increase in regulations kind of kept eroding our time spent just showing people what's important and so for me it's exciting 
because it's kind of reversed that. It's ripped all of that away and taken us straight back to all you're going to get online is what's important. Just pure, this is important. You've got an hour and a half and we're going to tell you stuff that you need to know. This is the same group you would get in a rehab, but for probably 80% less of the cost because we've stripped 80% of the unnecessary away. Again, look, I totally believe in residential rehab and if you need to go there, you need to go there and you'll get no argument from me. And again, if you, if there's any doubt that you need to go there, I'd never tell anyone to stop drinking, stop taking drugs without a proper assessment. And if, you'll need, if you need a residential rehab, it's the absolute best place for you to go. And... Um, and again, just speaking a little bit more into that, because again, ultimately, I believe that, you know, what we're trying to do here is change people's minds and the environment is king, really. So the stronger the environment, then the quicker your mind's going to change. So a rehab is a very strong environment if it's got recovery in the rehab. And again, I don't think all rehabs do. I think they offer nice beds, nice little therapy groups. Again, I'm not sure they all offer addiction treatment in the way that I'd believe it. So, again, it's good to do your own work and research before you sign up to a rehab. It is a very lucrative business. And there's a lot of uh, big companies, and there's a lot of care homes and things like that moving into addiction treatment. They have very little idea of addiction treatment, mm-hmm. but they know it's a lucrative business. So, a warning to the wise, do your own work before you before you go signing up there's um so there's different kinds of treatments but but so i'm not i think rehab is is absolutely 100 percent necessary for those that need it but not everybody does need it Mm. and i think again that needs to be an assessment needs to decide that so if you don't need it and a home detox or again you can just um, safely under medical care and assessment you can withdraw um, a home detox or with family you know if that's um, safe to do then or if you've got if you can't go to rehab because you you have to work you know not everybody has got that bad they you know they may just be starting out and realizing that this is developing into a to a bit of a compulsive behavior and addictive behavior you know, that they can actually join um, groups in the evenings, at weekends, things like that, to get all the information and all the support and direction that you would get in a rehab without necessarily having to stay there or pay for all of the unnecessary cost of actually going there. And so I think it's fantastic because I think literally with, again, I keep saying the word assessment because I think that's what it all founds on, but doing a good assessment with people we can truly truly for the first time really bespoke treatment you know again there's different kinds of treatment you get like the 12-step treatment cbt treatment person-centered you know nlp emdr there's so many different kinds of therapy and um you know you you can get a taste of what's going to suit you best instead of like you know you find when people come to rehab, they don't really know necessarily what to expect. And they don't. There's no real way of explaining to them, 
You know, we, when you get people that come for two weeks to rehab and then they actually start learning in that two weeks what's wrong with them and what they're going to need, most of them people extend. But only they only extend because they, they thought two weeks would be enough for them. But when they've actually come and learned, they realise they're going to need more support. And so, you know, with the online, you can actually taste the different sorts of therapies and find one that you think would uh, would suit you. T- taste is the right word? Try. Mm. Try. But it's... Um, because, again, it is very deep. It's very deep addiction treatment. Therapy is very deep. I mean, even getting one-to-one therapy, uh, um, you know, when somebody's in their first kind of 28 days of withdrawal you know is one-to-one therapy really going to do much for you it's probably good to talk to a therapist but i don't know whether i'd call that real therapy mm-hmm. you know we found being in groups and being in an environment and being around you know whether the environment is in a rehab or the environment you create in your life by having re- people friends in recovery going to 12-step meetings smart groups having a therapist coming online doing your groups you know people go to groups all over the world now you know they can be as anonymous as they like all kinds of groups but but they're committing to putting a lot of hours into their recovery so again it's like it really can be designed around yourself but you're not always the best person to decide how much your little treatment you need you're Mm -hmm. better off um, leaving that to the professionals to help you um, decide what what it's going to take f- for one your brain to heal and recover and two to get enough knowledge and understanding to build a mental defense for yourself yeah so you're always going to need some kind of professional guidance when it comes to recovery even if you're going to be doing it at home well and again i say professional but you know there's a lot of guys that have got a lot of experience that can give you good guidance mm-hmm. i think with the professionals well the downside is they want your money but the upside is they usually got a lot of good information and and hopefully they're held to some ethical code that they're actually going to be looking what's best for you not just what makes them the most money can't say that don't happen pretty sure it does but you know i think there's ethical companies out there that uh that know that you know doing the best for the person um is the right thing to do and um so i think professionals generally have a lot more knowledge of what is available so um, i'd always seek professional advice personally again it may not be as expensive as you think you know the point i think of the online stuff is to we try to make it more affordable to more to meet more people mm. <clears throat> but again there is a need issue that people have you may need more help at least for a short period of time and then you may be able to use that help so where people might have just needed a detox probably sort of 10 10 14 days may be enough time in a residential Mm -hmm. um they may be able to afford that they might not be able to afford the 28 days or six weeks but they may be able to afford the two weeks and then after that they the costs come down quite a lot on with the online treatments. Um, but again, if you need more than that, it's just a waste of money. It's not going to work for you. It's really trying to 
identify what your needs are. So again, I think having a good as- assessment to begin with is always going to be the key factor, at least that's what I've learned mm-hmm. in 30 years, that it's all about doing good assessments, good risk assessments, health assessments, mental assessments, with people that do that on a daily basis. They can really help identify your needs. So hopefully they're going to get it right more often than they get it wrong. But like I say, is a real winning factor in this whole thing is that the people that, that are seeking recovery are really motivated to take the treatments. It's like, which again, you'd think would be obvious, but when you've actually worked in addiction treatment, it's kind of like, I guess the analogy that I would say is like, somebody would come to you and go, oh, I feel really sick. And you'd say to them, well, I think you're diabetic. Let's give you some insulin. And you give them some insulin and they go, oh, I feel incredible. I feel so much better now. And he's like, look, you're going to have to take this every day. No, no, I feel better now. I feel better now. And they take off and a few days later they come back again. They're like, oh, I'm really sick again. And it's like, yeah, because you need to take the insulin every day. So try some insulin. You give them some more insulin and they go, oh, I feel great again. I feel great. And it's like, you've got to take this every day. And they're like, no, no, I'm all right. I feel much better now. And I just want to do my own thing and get on with my life. It's like, well, I understand that, but you need to take your insulin and... And that goes on and on, and it sounds crazy, but that's what like, addiction treatment's like a lot of the time. That it's very difficult to get people because I think they've got something wrong with their brains. I think that's what I've learned is like people with addiction have got something wrong with their brains, yet they don't like to think so. Mm-hmm. But ask everyone around them, do you think there's something wrong with their brain? They'll be like, without a shadow of a doubt. So if there's something wrong with your brain, it's probably evident you're not making very good decisions. And that's the bit that needs to be looked at to till you're making better decisions. Mm-hmm. But trying to get people to take treatment, they usually decide, I don't need treatment. So presenting good treatment to people, like I say, of saying this is the problem and this is the solution and getting them to actually make that connection with their experience. When people actually make that connection, they usually start recovering because it's a lifetime. You know, I think that's something that people don't always think about it because they're in such a distressed state and their family is so traumatised that they think they just want them to stop drinking. But it's like, that's not going to solve your problem. There's a long journey, Ed. But if you don't understand the directions, you're never going to get there. And so, you know, we have a thing called recovery and I think it is a thing that we have. But it takes a bit of time to transmit it to somebody else. But the people I know that have allowed us to transmit it to them or have had it transmitted to them all over the world usually recover. It literally is like having some software that needs downloading. But the download takes a bit of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got to be around the people that have got the software, which is mostly rehabs, mostly um, 12-step fellowships, you know, they're not all doing it, but there's a program at the heart of it. And, you know, you're supposed to practice the program. If you don't practice it, you never get better at it. And I've, it's a shame because I do see people that are in recovery. They may not be drinking and taking drugs, but they still have a lot of emotional mental disorders because they're not really practicing the treatment program. They might be going to meetings and talking about themselves and their problems all the time which is a bit of a step up and they're not drinking and taking drugs, which is a good thing. 
but they're not really recovering from the mental condition and and I think that's the important part that we're trying to promote to people to say, look, there's a mental condition there. You need to understand there's things you are going to need to do to recover. It's, it's not going to, you can't catch recovery off a toilet seat. Because <laughs> 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 it's, it's developing neural pathways. And the only way they're going to develop is putting your head in a, in a process or an environment that does that. If you want to be a plumber, you're either going to have to go and do plumbing you know, if you do it on your own, you probably ain't going to learn too quick because there's, you know, there's nothing, um, you know, there's nothing better than learning from someone else's mistakes. Mm. So going and working with a plumber that's made all the mistakes, you're going to become a plumber a lot quicker. If you go to plumbing college, you're going to become a better plumber. But all that's really happening is you're developing neural pathways. Mm. They say it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill, right? Take, uh, how, many, how many years is that? Probably four, five, more than four, I don't know, it was yeah. 10,000 hours in it. But, but the thing is, I, I've noticed that people that are really trying and people that, that, you know, that, again, remember, we're in a mass experience. It takes a good four years for their brain to really start settling down, which when you think the length of an apprenticeship, but also you think the damage that they've been doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I look at it like this. If that's a normal brain... When a normal person takes a drug, their mind opens, but then when the drug wears off, it goes back, it closes again, and there's no harm done. So your average social drinker or recreational drug user, you know, they have their mind opens, they relax, they have a good time, they stop doing it, their mind goes back to where it was, they get on with their normal life. But when you get someone with an addiction, their mind opens, they do it again, it opens, they do it again, their mind opens. Most people start at 13, so their brain's never developed anyway. And so their brain stays open. So they're living outside the the normal patterns of sort of society's existence. Mm. And so recovery, they call it the bridge to normal living. And the bridge really is that time in between the brain that's been developed to live as an alcoholic or a drug addict because that's quite traumatic in itself living as a drug addict and alcoholic alcoholic whatever trauma triggered it living as an alcoholic and a a drug addict is incredibly traumatic it's like no wonder they're saying they all got ptsd it's like living in a war zone just in your own head while you're sitting in a chair with nothing else happening but the brain has to take time to start, you know, that's what happens to an alcoholic and addict in recovery. They start going sane, then they go mental again, then they go sane, then they go mental again, then they go sane, then they go mental again. And the other people around them help keep bringing them back. And eventually their brain sort of starts settling down to feeling okay again. That the hedonic set points come down. They start enjoying normal activities normal life experiences they start getting releases of serotonin because there's like a pleasure deafness for people with addiction they're just not excited about taking the children to sports day they're not keen on going down shopping and cleaning the car and paying bills and it doesn't excite them it doesn't give them the serotonin they need so they become quite extreme people but as that process starts reversing, their brain starts settling down, they start going back to normal behaviours. 
it's normal for them. You know, I know people out there will be going, oh, well, who's, what's normal? He's like, well, we all kind of know what normal is. You know what I mean? <clears throat> what's normal for them? But, you know, if you're doing nothing to do real extreme things just to feel okay, there's probably something wrong with you. Now, if you're okay with that, fine, but you don't have to be like that. You can change your mind. You can bring that all down again. You can actually start enjoying fishing you know, I actually realised, you know, I had this experience where I was just 25, I was out in Canada, I just got um, clean and sober. I was walking to an AA meeting and, you know, it was a beautiful sunny day, you know, I felt amazing. Um, well, it felt okay for me and then I was walking along and I see these red flowers in this, in this bank and... Uh, and they just stuck out to me. And I've probably been off drugs, maybe, and alcohol, maybe just a few weeks. And it, I noticed it changed the way that I felt. And so I went over to them, and, and the closer I got, the, the stronger the feeling I got was. And I looked away from them, and I felt my feeling return back to as it was before I see them. And then I looked back again, and my feeling changed again. And then I looked away, and it went back again. And I was thinking, man, somebody must have spiked me up with some acid or something. And so I managed to get to this AA meeting and there was a guy there, Dave, who'd become me, what we call a sponsor. And he was talking to some other people and I felt like I was having a bit of a panic attack. And I said, Dave, Dave, I need some help because I thought I was having a mental breakdown. And he said, you all right? I said, no. I said, I just had this really strange experience. I said, I think there's something going wrong with me. He said, what is it? I said, I can't tell you in here. So I'm supposed to be at that moment. I'm tough gangster kind of image. I'm trying to portray to everybody. And so we went outside of this cabin where this meeting was. And he said, what's wrong? I said, Dave, I was walking here. And I went up to these flowers and I looked at them. And the way I felt changed. And then I looked away and it changed back again. It was quite extreme. And he said, well, how did it feel? And I kind of looked around because I thought, don't want anyone to hear me say this. I said, Dave, it felt beautiful. He went, that's how it's meant to feel. <laughs> but that was the first time, see, that I'd kind of, not saying that had never happened to me before, but that was the first time I made the mental connection mm. that, that I could actually, of what I was feeling, that things naturally could change the way that I feel. You know, he's like, People talk about mind-altering substances, but there's behaviours. Take your, Go and take your underwear off and stand on the high street and see if your mind changes. <laughs> you know, lots of things are mind-altering, aren't they? Yeah. But what makes people alcoholic and addict is that they're adults that have either lost or never had the ability to adjust and control their mental states. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm 56 year old. I've got this mental condition, and I still can struggle... And I probably know more about this than most people you'd ever meet. In 30 years of working on the front line in the rehab. And I've learned a lot about this. I've met a lot of people with this condition that society hasn't recognised yet. And I've suffered greatly through my recovery because I've not been able to adjust and control my emotional states. One, it causes all kinds of trouble with family members and friends because people don't see it as a mental condition. 
But without them programs, without them processes, without learning about that other people can help me. Because the good thing about human beings is we can lend each other our brains. If your brain ain't working too good, you can call me up. And then if you're willing to listen to me, because that's how we interface with each other as human beings, if you're willing to trust me and listen to me, then I can use my brain to help renew, um, restore the, the problem in your brain. And I think that's one thing they learned in the 12-step fellowships, that when one alcoholic talks to another alcoholic with the purpose of recovery, it creates a power. And a power that I believe they're talking about, some people might say, well, it's God and all the rest of it. Well, possibly is. I believe it is, but that's not necessarily what they're talking about. If you brain scan somebody, you can see their brain closing when they're becoming stressed and it goes dark. Whatever that light is that you can see on a brain scan, it starts going dark. So they're becoming powerless. And when they're taking drugs or drinking, they're trying to get their brain opened up again. They even say, I'm trying to lighten up, I'm trying to get my mind up, I'm trying to get out of my head. You know, you can see them going dark, their attitude changes. And again, we do a thing called a brain talk, if you ever get a chance to, to listen to one of them that we do here, explain it in a lot more in depth. We try, everything we do, we try and make it absolutely simple so that everyone can understand it, because it's complicated. But with an addict, an alcoholic, the brain closes. You know, it's it's a closed mind, or they like to call it in a mental obsession. The mental obsession is what your mind closes to. So it will obsess on that, and it will be closed to everything else. So treatment is about getting that mind open. So when I say that they're powerless, it's they're actually their brain is closing down. It's going dark. And that's why they start becoming more aggressive and antisocial. As soon as that brain's open again, then if there is neural pathways there that are, that have been developed to for them to behave in the way that they'd like to behave, then then that just fire up again. You can see it all lighten up again. And so addiction kind of like is a closed mind. Recovery is like an open mind. But when you actually start working with people, you can see when they're in that closed mind. I can see when my mind closes, I'll become aggressive, I'll become angry, I'll become negative, I'll become miserable, I'll become selfish, self-pitying. And I start looking for extreme things to, to get me going. But I've got a program, so I can either phone somebody who understands and they can just talk to me. It can just take seconds sometimes. As soon as your mind pops open again, you're back in your right mind, you feel good again. And you realise that's all I'm dealing with is identifying my mind closing getting it open and but once it's open you know i want to develop that open i want to develop that open mind which i think everybody does i think all humanity want to you know i think whenever there's a closed mind there's nothing good happening there's nothing good happening when there's a closed mind we all want to be developing a developing our mind so good recovery and a good program and good people help you on that journey but but again, you need somebody to be there when your mind closes, and it will. No matter how long you ain't had a drink, no matter how long you ain't had a drug, something's going to close your mind. And if you don't keep the, the, the stress off, this is real stress is probably the major cause of this. Things like resentment cause mass, the massive, the most stress you can cause an alcoholic is a resentment. Yeah, every alcoholic I've ever met. They're usually really resentful and they don't even don't, don't like to admit it. Yeah. 
that they struggle with anger and resentment. That really stresses people out when you're like in that state. So fear really stresses you out and anxieties and you know, traumas obviously sort of stress you out. So it's sort of learning about all of that stuff and how do I keep managing that stuff? How do I keep that stuff from affecting me? How can I identify it? And so part of the programs is like we take infantry, we're constantly looking at ourselves, which becomes a working part of your mind. It sounds a bit narcissistic, but it's actually not. It actually helps you to stop being selfish. Mm-hmm. Not So self-observation helps you to uh, to stop being selfish. You can start adjusting, making adjustments to yourself and, and developing a, a more open mind, which seems to be a more pleasant state to be in when you're, especially when you're an alcoholic and addict, being in that closed-minded state is very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and even somebody like myself that's been in recovery for over 30 years, if I didn't take care of my mental health, I could relapse as easy as anybody else. You know, I can still see it in me. It's, it doesn't go away. I don't think there's a cure for it. I just think you learn to um, you learn to live with it, but in a very high state, very developed. I've become a very developed person over the years, but I still struggle with addiction on days. But not the drinking and drug taking, the mental condition. Addiction's a bad name, man. I wish they'd change the name. I wish they'd give it some sort of mental illness name you know but the one i found that's closest i think that there's a guy named kevin mccauley that does a video called pleasure unwoven which i'd highly recommend getting or googling him but he calls it hyperfrontality mm-hmm. which i think is shared by people with schizophrenia so i think that's a that is a very good description of what happens in the brain of an alcoholic and addict but hopefully if you've watched this podcast or whatever you call it that that we've busted the theory that giving up drinking is enough giving up drugs is enough mm-hmm. if that worked for you and you didn't do a program you're not an alcoholic you're not an addict you can put that in the comment section i'm not going to read it but <laughs> <laughs> you can put it in there if it bothers you yeah well thank you so much for your time today we'll have to call it at that but there's as you can probably tell there's a whole wealth of topics here and obviously Lester you've the man with the knowledge so we're definitely going to be back for more of these diving into more topics and if you guys have anything that you want us to talk about then please let us know in the various comment sections Uh, and of course we're always available if anybody does need help with addiction or you know anybody that might want an assessment the assessment's free so please do get in touch yeah we'll put some links in yeah below thank you very much all right thank you thanks